to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, I'm grateful to have Dr. Robin McCutcheon back on this particular episode. Economics professor from Marshall University. Again, she's been on numerous times, and I hope she continues to do so. We discuss a number of issues impacting all of us going forward here. Um, again, her website is linksync.com, L-Y-N-C-S-Y-N-C.com. And she also states throughout our discussion here that if you're interested in emailing her, she has a series of PDFs that she's sharing with her economic students regarding, again, a lot of current events that are going on uh, and a lot of other issues as well. So she's openly stated, you know, feel free and email her and, and she'd be happy to send you some of those PDFs without a doubt. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, here is our discussion and I hope you enjoy it. I have a feeling that what's happening is because the FDA is moving the goalposts on the definition of who's vaccinated. So I think I heard yesterday um, that the FDA said that now their new definition of fully vaccinated is, quote, up to date on all vaccines, unquote, or all boosters. So, you know, two jabs plus a booster. And then I've, I see that, um, was it Pfizer or Moderna was saying, oh, you, now you need a booster every five months. So, you know, at what point do, does it just get ridiculously stupid where they're saying, well, you've got to have a booster every day? I mean, it's, it's not that far-fetched at this point to think that. And two days ago on our local news station in the early morning hours, they had several segments of, um, about local in the tri-state region, West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, the school systems that are looking at Omicron and are they're sitting on the fence whether they want to go back to virtual or not. My feeling on it is, is if the public school system in the five counties in West Virginia around Marshall go back to virtual, then we will too. Because most of our, there are a large number of our faculty that have children in the K-12 system. So, you know, they can't do, they can't have their kids home and be off at school teaching face to face. So I don't think this is, and of course I'll blame it on Omicron, but I don't think this will be necessary, necessarily due to Omicron if we go virtual. But just in case we do, I've been, I've been studying the new virtual technology that rolled out last fall so that if we get the notice on Sunday night, oh, by the way, all your classes are virtual, then, then I'll be ready. But it won't surprise me if they decide to mask up and or not mask up and take everybody back home won't surprise me at all yeah those two those two bureaucratic dominoes of of higher ed and of course k-12 education which we've discussed at length are just too close to one another if one if one falls they have to have the other one fall because again it makes the other one look like they know more than the other and they can't have that I I don't know. I think at this point, um, spring can't come fast enough. The thing that worries me and that I have been concerned about since these jabs rolled out um, is how long, what is the number of months between getting the second jab and then the booster before people start 
falling ill because their immune systems are so compromised that they can't fight off the common cold. Now, we know that the PCR tests have, as of December 31st, have been discontinued. And we, we know that because even Carrie Mullis uh, told us way back in 2019, and the poor man is dead now, but um, he even told us you can't use this P PCR test to diagnose any kind of a virus. Anything. It's not a diagnostic tool, but they used it anyway, ramped up the number of cycles so that they could scare the holy living bejesus out of us. And it, as, as the information has rolled out, it turns out that these PCR tests with their, their cycles ramped up to 35 plus, it was going to give almost 100% false positives, meaning it would tell you you have COVID when you have nothing. I mean, I, 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 I recall the YouTube video I showed of, I think it was the president of Argentina giving a PCR test to a can of Coke and it came up positive. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, I mean, you and, know, it's ri yeah, ridiculous that, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and there are schools in California, um, a, a previous guest who, who listens to the podcast regularly and, and we talk on a regular basis. Um, he said that out in California, they have, they still have, well, they now have public schools that are forcing the N95 masks on everybody, children and staff members alike. And I just came across a thing today that said um, there are California schools that are sending home these saliva tests with students, upwards of four uh, COVID tests. So it's, again, it's as if everybody is illiterate out there. Um, no, no one understands that none of this works and they, they don't care. I mean, they're just, they're so deep in their own lie that they can't dig themselves out. And even if they could, they wouldn't, because again, they would look foolish in the process. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and all they really want is power and control. They just want the sheep to submit and to, you know, walk of their own volition into the chains of slavery. And I think there are a lot of people in, across the world, in America and other places, that are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but what worries me at this point, because now we're into January, now we won't be able to avoid all of those illnesses and people who have been jabbed one, two, or three times, and it's coming up probably pretty quick here to the fourth time. And um, how many of those people are going to fall so desperately ill that they succumb? I mean, how many, it, we only have about 500 and I'm guessing 550 professors, and that's probably on a little bit of a high range here at Marshall. How many of them ha have to go down before somebody says, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, one of the reasons that I that I contacted you is because we we had both read that interview of the uh, One America Insurance Company over in Indianapolis that said there uh, the CEO said they have noticed in quarter three and quarter four um, quarter four is coming out soon but quarter three the number of deaths among the people age 18 to 64 is up 40% in excess of what's normal. Now, having worked in that in, in industry as, a, as a, an actuarial technician, I can tell you that those actuaries 
have um, mortality tables going back probably 150 years. And in this particular case, One America has mortality tables going back to 1887. And so what this means is that if we were experiencing a pandemic, the normal excess death rate among that age group, 18 to 64, would only be up 10%. So uh, this guy is saying this is a one in 200 year event. But, but it's worse than that because what he didn't say and um, what I found posted on Robert Malone's Substack was a, um, a comment by an actuary and insurance agent that said, we are now seeing questions on life insurance applications that, that deal specifically with the COVID jab. Have you had a diagnosis for COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 in the last 12 months, in the last 90 days, in the last 14 days, et cetera? And what this means is if these, these death rates are going up, that means that insurance premiums are going to go up, not just for life insurance, but for medical insurance. So this is, so imagine with me a bell-shaped curve. And, you know, just imagine a, the shape of a curve of a bell. And on the left-hand axis, on the left-hand side is the age 18. And on the right-hand side at the far end of the curve is age 64. And that's the average number of people. The height of that curve is the average number of people in the labor force. The labor force is defined as everyone age 16 years and older who is working or looking for work. Now, most, a lot of people are retiring at the age of 65, 66, 67. So the number of old timers, uh, senior citizens who are still in the labor force after the age of 64 goes down pretty quick. I mean, you still have some, but you don't have a huge number of people. So if you're looking at that bell curve and that bell curve now shrinks in heights by 40%, what, what you're talking about is a reduction in the labor force across the board. We are losing to death generational knowledge about how to do things. Um, I, I saw Mike Rowe the other day on, on a, uh, one of the mainstream media and, and his comment was, and I'm going to paraphrase, his comment was basically that four-year degree isn't going to do you a darn bit of good if you can't find someone to fix your car. So, you know, we're, we're, we are looking at a, the knock-on effect of decades, decades, because if the person dies at age 18, they're not there to work their whole entire adult life, right? If they die at the age of 45, all that information that they have gathered as a, as a worker, as an employee, as a entrepreneur is gone. There's, there's nobody there to, to tap their brain to ask them, you know, how do I do this thing that you've showed me five times already? So we're, we're talking about a knock-on effect of a catastrophic, catastrophic event that has decades of fallout. And I think Cliff High has talked about this a few times on his podcast as well. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, yeah. And... 
So, one of the, uh, I mean, one of the wrenches in in those gears too. Uh, again, no no pun intended, is that the business of having an apprenticeship these days is is almost impossible. In particular, when it comes to the necessary certifications that a person has, you know, has to attain, or the necessary licensure that a person has to attain, even in the automotive industry. I mean, you can't, right, you know, exactly. and, and unless you're doing it straight out of your own house. And even then, there might be bureaucratic oversight that has to take place. I mean, I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's not good. That's a I, right. I think I think you're right. Well, you know, my my chief area of study in my in my PhD was labor economics. So when I saw that come out of uh, the the One America CEO. When I saw that statement, my brain immediately went to demographics and long-term uh, impacts on the labor force. And um, you know, if if uh, and we we've been seeing that the uh, FDA has uh, em emergency use authorization of I think the Pfizer jab for young people ages twelve to seventeen. So. And we know that these we know that these jabs are bad. So if they kill the kid before he even gets or she even gets to the age of eighteen, then in all the future generations that person would have had are just wiped out. So I'm waiting. I'm and I'm I'm not impatient for this by any means, but I'm waiting for the announcements to come through our university servers of this professor or that professor or you know, the spouse of this or that person or some staff member somewhere has has died. Along, I, along that same line, the thing that I've brought up in the past, too, is is that because of the autoimmune condition that this has caused, that that doesn't have a, you know, that doesn't have a season of the year that it's that it's reliant on. I mean, you could have professors correct. dying in July. Correct. And again, I'm not hoping for That's that. That's right. But right. no, no. No, I'm just saying that, um, so for example, our plan B at Marshall, and I don't know what Miami is doing, but our plan B at Marshall was everyone in our department picked one or two other people to um, be a substitute teacher for those classes. Does that, does that make sense? It does. Because for, for, for your listeners, their K-12 system has usually has a pool of substitute teachers that they can access if they need to. Not, not um, if they have, it, well, <laughs> yeah. well, from what I from what I was hearing, um, uh, and I don't remember the school system, but it was a school, a smaller school system, some somewhere between Cincinnati and Marshall, uh, along the Ohio River, that had uh, three hundred people call in sick, teachers and staff, and they said we can't run our school system. We don't have enough substitutes. Um, you know, it, it's not just if the teachers call in sick. What about the janitors? What about the secretaries? What about the people who run um, the, the lunch programs? You know, things of this sort. So um, this is, and, and it, you know, I keep saying, I keep saying that it's lucky that COVID came along because I, I'm pretty sure it's going to destroy the K-12 system. But I, I'm also of the opinion at this point that it might destroy the university system because in order to teach at an accredited university at least at ours 
in our particular college, 90% of the professors must have a terminal degree, so they must have a PhD, and they must be actively researching. You can't have an accredited college, at least at our college, if 90% of the people are adjuncts. <laughs> you know, yeah. people with graduate degrees, master's degrees. So, I mean, this is, this is, I'm seeing coming at us the crumbling of the K-12 system and the university system entirely. This is just going to kill it. I, I agree and, with you. And maybe I should maybe I should be thankful that this communist system will finally finally die. But you know, I, I'm looking at the end of my career as well. <laughs> I'm envisioning myself walking through Marshall's campus, and I'm the only professor left alive. Sort of an end of the world scenario. But you know, I'm just that's a that's a poor joke. But. My dad and I were having a conversation the other day, and we were, and he 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 brought this up when he was still a professor, and there was a faculty meeting where he was in, and he stood up and he looked at everybody, and they were talking about money and enrollment, and this, that, and the other, and he said, "Look," and at the time, again, he was the oldest professor in the teacher education department and uh, full professor the whole thing, and he looked at everybody and he said, "You don't understand what goes on in teacher education departments by themselves." They're almost a separate entity from all other departments. Most colleges and universities will have their business and their management departments, and they usually remain the same. So if all the other departments fall to the wayside, those are the departments that remain. But he looked around the room and he said, and all you adjuncts, and he's pointing at them, he says, you're the first to go. He says when they start feeling the, crun right. the crunch of money, the adjuncts are going to be the first to get fired. And then they're going to start coming for the assistant professors. And then they come for the associates. And then they just get rid of the department and they move everybody around. Right. And, and I, yeah. I, I think that's already happening lots of places. I mean, it was a year ago that I read 30-some-odd colleges. And I want to say the number 35 is in my head, but it was something like 35 colleges and universities across the United States just closed completely. Wow. And we're not talking wow. about, yeah, we're not talking about a department leaving. We're talking about the entire thing just shutting its doors. Uh -huh. And I, I just, but, but then again, it brings into the, into question always, I think, the frame of mind of the individual who's consistently sending their children to these places, knowing that there's a jab mandate, a requirement now, a mask mandate. A requirement for that, whether they're, you know, even if they're jabbed, they still have to wear the mask. Um, along with the economic impact that that you've outlined here, the the social, emotional, psychological impact, I think, is is um, wh while it gets discussed, it really is, I think, a major root of this issue. You rot. I mean, if you can rot that root you're not going to have anything grow out of that. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, I, I have um, gotten to the point um, where my gallus humor has, uh, has really gotten hold of me. Um, but I have a, I have a printout of a June 15, 2021 um, 
list of pathogens that are found in masks. So the students can't get away from, uh, actually at our university, they're recommending the, the jabs. They're not mandating them. But all the students have to wear masks. And I have a list of these pathogens that are found in your mask after wearing it for five to eight hours. And I, I have this feeling that the students just don't take them off. They forget that they're on their face. Listen to some of this. Streptococcus pneumonia, myobacterium tuberculosis, Neisseria meningitis, and, and um, man, the rest of these I can't even pronounce. So, you know, they're breathing out toxins and then they're breathing them back in. Some of these people are going to die of bacterial pneumonia. Th yeah, there, um, there, there are parents and people that don't even believe that the mask uh, is causing oxygen deprivation. I mean, they actually believe that when a mask is being worn, that people are breathing normally. They still believe yeah, that they, they still think that. I just uh, refound um, uh, from LifeSite website a study, not a study, a list of forty-seven studies that confirm the ineffectiveness ineffectiveness of masking, plus another list of 32 other studies of the damage done by wearing face masks. Um, and, and the majority of these studies are coming out of the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, the NIAID, PubMed, Science Direct. You know, these are true scientific studies, and they're all new within the last 18 months. So the evidence is out there if one cares to go look. We're, we're, I, I, I guess I don't understand, Sean, how it is people can be, I don't know, blind, fooled, conned, taken in. I, I just, I don't understand. And, and, I, um, and I've been meeting more and more people in and around Marshall who are people who are seeking me out because of the podcast that you and I have done or because of some, some of my other interviews with um, Dr. Janda and on the Quite Frankly show, they've been coming to me and saying, you know, I know you have information. Can you give it to me or can you forward it to me so that I can go fight these mask mandates in the K-12 system? Because my, you know, my four-year-old, my five-year-old or you know, my young child is having is now having difficulty learning when they weren't before. Well, you know, if if you reduce the amount of oxygen that you're breathing in by forty percent because you're wearing a mask, and the N95 masks aren't going to be any better, you're still going to have reduced amount of oxygen getting to your brain. You know that that how idiotic can people be? Teachers. To think that this is any kind of a healthy thing to do. I've watched students in my class fall asleep because they're not getting enough oxygen to their brains. This is taking a toll on me here. You know, I, I, uh, I'm on this subject and subjects surrounding this subject on a day-in, day-out basis. And uh -huh. the rampant child abuse that that I'm hearing and witnessing and seeing and like you said just that that mental total disconnect from reality um 
is taking its toll and it's and it's I mean it's dangerous. I you know I I'm yeah. I'm hearing these people say what they're saying and and consistently grasp at one lunatic fringe idea after another. When one when one falls through the cracks, they grab for another one. That that is that is beyond destructive. And I'll give you one quick example. The school district here in town they are allegedly doing away with their mask mandate as of January 10th because the superintendent has set up a jab day for January 8th. And wow. he, he, of course, believes that the jab seminars that he has or, you know, the whatever, the clinics, these death clinics that he has, which I <laughs> which I I bombarded one particular day, which was a lot of fun. But uh, when I did that, I mean, I yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. But he, um, I, I know that he believes that that these that we have to get more people jabbed. I mean, he says it and sounds like an absolute lunatic when he's saying it. So he yeah. he decided to again make the the mask mandate be lifted on January tenth, as if that would matter. And now. Right. He's telling apparently he's telling school building administrators that if they want to segregate their students from the masked and the unmasked, that they have to find a way to do that. Oh my goodness! Talk talk about discrimination. Maybe you su suggest to them when you go to another one of their council meetings that they just put a great big yellow six pointed star on the unjabbed. Maybe that will get through to them. Although I doubt it. I think the mask has pretty much accomplished that, but yeah, it, um, th th there is absolutely no fixing that. And I, I, it, it really is interesting to just watch how much people are willing to take, how much parents are willing to take. Um, they're going to have to end up with a dead kid. And even then, yeah. e even then it won't change their minds in some cases. Well, by then the, you know. Their child is dead. Doesn't matter if they're, you know. And so many people, so many people, I think, just don't want to be wrong. Um, I I heard something once, and I I don't know, I can't quote you who said this, but um, but I heard once that more people fear to be wrong than they fear public speaking or death. They don't want to be wrong. Yep. Because then that means that means that they have been in some way connived or taken in or hoodwinked, and they would have to go back and reassess their their values, what they thought was true. And so many people, that's such a part of who they are, their their self, that they would rather just keep on being being wrong. Than to have to, to than to have to say I was I was fooled, and everything that I believed is wrong, and to reassess. So I I, I don't know. I do know that um, the FDA emergency use authorized the the Pfizer jab for twelve to seventeen year olds. So that means it can't be mandated. They can't mandate it. I mean, aren't we? Aren't we supposed to have, isn't the Supreme Court battling this out just today, whether the, these jabs can be mandated? 
Yeah, from the federal level. Yeah. 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 Um, there is some hope, though, because there are people who are fighting against this. Uh, Reiner Fulmich, a German lawyer who's also, I think he's also licensed to practice law in, I know I'm going to get this state wrong. I'm going to say Arizona, but it might be some other state. So don't quote me on the U.S. state where he's also licensed to practice. But he and um, a group of other doctors and lawyers are taking to the international court at The Hague a, a lawsuit against some notable people, Fauci, Bill Gates, etc., Klaus Schwab, I believe is in there, named for crimes against humanity for developing and pushing these jabs. Now, an interesting little tidbit that I that I found on um, one of Fulmich's uh, websites is that he's been in contact with Dr. Mike Eden, Y-E-A-D-O-N. Mike Eden is a former vice president of Pfizer who showed Fulmich and his group that the batches that are coming out of Pfizer, I'm just going to read you what it says here. Fulmich said, Dr. Mike Eden showed how they use batches within batches to try out what kind of doses are needed to kill people and maim them. From a legal perspective, it is inescapable evidence of premeditation. Once there is evidence of premeditation, there is no immunity for anyone. And so when I was listening the other day to um, Robert Kennedy Jr. talk about why Pfizer and Moderna are going after getting EUA approval or just approval for these jabs for children is because once they can get approval for the jabs for kids, their liability, it, they, they have complete immunity from being liable for any adverse effects or death from these jabs. That's why they're going after the kids to get approval for their jabs, not just EUA, not just emergencies authorization, but full approval. Except that if they know, if these, if it can be proved that these pharmaceutical companies deliberately, deliberately made these jabs poisonous so as to maim or kill people, then all liability is gone. They're going to be, they're going to be fully liable. In fact, what he said, what Fulmix said was, what Mike Eden came up with is that there's a one in 200 chance that you're going to run into one of these dangerous batches or lots. It's like Russian roulette. Um, Dr. Wolfgang Wardarg said, um, it's not Russian roulette. It's a trial. It's planned. The batches are sent somewhere. They're used. They're registered. What they've also found is that when one company, say Pfizer, BioNTech, are up to something, the others will keep quiet. The others won't do the experiments, but then they'll step up and do something maybe it's AstraZeneca or, or, or some other company, who want to try something out within these massive trials. The doctors, I'll, I'll read this directly, the stupid doctors think they are giving the same injections, but it's not true. They're being misused for this very big trial where there is no ethics committee. And, and did you hear the Joe Rogan podcast on December 30th with Dr. Malone? Yeah, I listen, Dr. I, Robert I, Malone? I listen to parts. I've heard so much of Robert Malone now that I mean, he's repeating himself, but... Uh, right, yeah. right, right. 
Um, but, but I'm glad. I'm but, glad. I'm glad he was on because again, a lot of people yeah. listen to Rogan, uh, you know, who aren't who aren't tuning in to hear this kind of information, and they got hit over the head with it, which is great. Right. So, but but Reiner Fulmick's point is, it makes it easy for any lawyer in the world to show intent. It is inescapable. From these graphs, you can show intent. They are deliberately using different dosages coordinated with each other so that they won't interfere with each other in order to try and find out what kills the best or maims the best. Once you arrive at that conclusion, the floodgates are open, at least in the United States, for punitive damages. So I think we're getting to the point where um, some of these lawyers and doctors very bravely and courageously, like Malone and Fulmec and Wodarg and Tom Rents out of... Um, just north of us in Ohio, who are coming out and saying, these jabs are bad. You have to stop using them. And they're going after companies. And pretty soon they're going to be going after directly after the pharmaceutical companies. Because if you can show intent, it doesn't matter what drug was approved. They're going to pay. They're, they're, they're going to be destroyed financially by the lawsuits that will be coming out. Yeah. The sad part is, for you and I, is we're, we're standing here watching all of this, and there's not a dang thing that I can do except keep talking to students and parents and other people in my local area about the information that I know to, to pr try to persuade people to not get a booster, or if they're unjabbed, to don't get any jabs at all. Let me give you another um, uh, piece of anecdotal evidence. I have a friend who is a uh, primary care physician, general medical practice. She has about 500 families who are who she serves as, as their doctor, their physician. And when these jabs came out back in December, she urged all 500 families to not get the jab. About half of the families did not listen to her. And now they are suffering from blood clots, heart ailments, resurgence of cancer that had been in remission for years. I mean, it's, but the unvaxxed group, the unjabbed group, they're just fine. So right there in that small little Petri dish, you know, uh, just here in the tri-state area of about 500 families, she's, she's got the evidence right there that the jabs are, are hurtful. The problem is, is that we know that the, the American Medical Association is going after those doctors and ripping their licenses away so they can't practice, so they'll shut up and not say anything. And we haven't even talked about the incentive for the hospitals. I just downloaded the other day. I'm looking here. I'm trying to find this long document. It's a long document from one of our government agencies when they put through the CARES Act. Do you remember that yes. there was an there were there were there was about twenty five or thirty pages, sort of in the middle of the document, um, that described the incentive to hospitals and doctors for um, any admission to a hospital that was COVID nineteen related. The hospital got a a kind of a premium bonus if they were intubated put on a ventilator, they got another bonus. If they were given remdesivir, and it actually names the drug in the document, you give them this drug, we'll give you more money. If they die, we'll give you 
you know, 30% over what Medicare, Medicaid would have paid you. So we haven't even gotten to the point where people are talking about the money incentives to hospitals to, to do malicious harm against patients, starting on about page 55. So they buried this in the document. It's CM, the, the document number is CMF, that's Charlie, Mary, Sam, 9912. IFC. So if people want to go find it, they can probably put that in the search bar. So yeah, if you get down here into the document beyond page 50, it talks about how much money these hospitals are, oh, how much money are they're going to get. They call it a cash price. A cash price. It's amazing to me. So, for example, this is a temporary adjusted adjustment. Medicare's claims processing system supply an adjustment factor to increase the Medicare severity relative weight that would otherwise be applied by 20% when determining IPPS operating payments. So they're eligible for the 20% increasing increase in payment, 20%. Now, I don't know if most of your uh, audience knows, but when, it, when a doctor or a hospital submits a bill to Medicare, most of the time Medicare has a prepayment schedule. In other words, the, the doctor or the hospital knows they're not going to get the full payment because Medicare is only going to pay a, a, a portion of that, sometimes as, as little as 50% of whatever the doctor or the hospital submits is this is the amount of money we need to have for this particular patient. But instead of only a portion, they're, they're taking the whole payment plus 20%. Incredible. It's, it's abominable. Yeah. Absolutely abominable. It's almost like they actually wanted people to die. Yeah. It's almost like it's being done on purpose. Isn't yep. that, isn't that odd? Isn't it odd? And and here on the document on page 55, they're saying, if um, I'll translate, it says two, bio, two drug and biological products are COVID-19 convalescent plasma and Beclary, which is remdesivir. And according to my general practice doctor friend, the nurses have renamed it Run Death is Near. Yep. <laughs> because it's designed to kill your kidneys. Which, you know, if you kill the kidneys, the patient generally dies. So people can go look this up. It's a 241-page document. The document name, again, is CMS9912IFC. And um, it's, it's, it, will, it will put you to sleep. It's so dry bones. But, you know, if you, if you type in, a, in your search bar, cash, You'll find you'll that's where everything starts for how much the hospitals are getting paid for. Really, um, in my opinion, is malfeasance in medicine. So, so I think a lot of this information is coming. It's it's very slow in coming out, but it will come out. We've discussed this in the past, but do you actually? I mean, do you think that uh, there's going to be accountability? 
for all of these individuals. I mean, you think of the the quantity of people who hold positions where they have encouraged individuals to do this and forced them to do it and fired them for not doing it. I mean, do, do we actually, I mean, you talk about breaking a system. If the rope comes for all of these people, there's not going to be anyone to employ. You know, have well, to, they'll have you to and employ- I can command any price we want then, can't we? <laughs> That's right. I can play medical doctor all day long then. Yeah. Again, my gallows humor has gotten extremely trite these days, but you know, if there's nobody left at Marshall to give lectures, then I'll I'll just take all the money. There you go. You can be the president. Perfect. Right, perfect. Yeah. Um I th- I think yes. Yes, there is accountability whether it will be uh, through military tribunals here on this earth in this particular life, maybe. Um, for sure, when it, the people who know that they have done things wrong, bad, to the point where they know they murdered people, God will get them in the end. You know, I don't, I don't have to pray for universal justice. I know it's coming. Right. We don't have to. I mean, ultimately, we all stand before God at the end of our life, and you know, our our life's mistakes and regrets are revealed to us. Um, for the for those people who unintentionally they didn't know they were completely innocent, but they're just following like sheep along. Yeah, there's still accountability, but it's not going to be as harsh, I think, as the ones who knew they were doing. Um. Maleficent things, doing harm on purpose. Um, I, I, I also have a document. I've titled it FAA Letter, December 15, 2021, that I found from, um, that was put out by Lee Dundas. I don't know if you've heard um, any of what she's done. I have, yep. But it was put out by Lee Dundas and Dr. Peter McCullough. Robert Kennedy Jr., Dr. Ryan Cole, Mary Holland, who is with uh, a lawyer for Children's Health Defense, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, who is an Army Aerospace Medicine Specialist, and Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers, who is a Special Forces Flight Surgeon with the Green Beret. And they put this letter out and basically told the FAA and all of the heads of um, the large airline carriers, American Airlines, Delta Airlines, United, Southwest, and Alaska Airlines. They've also titled this, they've um, sent this to the FAA Administrator Stephen Dick, Dickinson, U.S. Department of Transportation, U.S. Department of Justice, and these insurance companies, AIG, Global Airspace, Star Aviation, Phoenix Aviation Managers, and, and a, a couple of others. And they've basically said, notice to FAA that pilots are operating commercial aircraft in contravention of do not fly regulations, Title 14 Code of Federal Regulations, Section 61.53, and associated guidance, which disallow medical clearance of pilots who has injected non-FDA-approved medical products such as COVID-19 vaccinations. So, you know, it's no mystery to me why these airlines are canceling flights left and right. 
because they have been basically put on notice that they will be sued into oblivion if they're flying pilots and flight crews that have had these jabs because the jabs are not approved. The thing that was approved on August 23rd, 2021 was a product called Comirity, Comirity, and it was a biologic license application. Comirity is not even produced in the United States and won't be produced at all in the world until 2024. So the FDA BioNTech Pfizer jabs are still emergency use authorization only. Now, see, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. You talk about the rope and the, ro- and the rope coming for people. If you listen to talk radio or you listen to iHeartRadio, in, in the commercial breaks, they will tell you that comernity exists and that we should ask our doctors for it. No, it doesn't. It's not even being produced. I know. It's not even. It, it, it was a BLA, a biologics license application, which the FDA approved the application. Correct. It didn't improve the drug. It's not even it hasn't even been made yet. So there was this sleight of hand about six weeks ago where the FDA just started calling the Pfizer Pfizer BioNTech drug Comerity. So all of these people in these agencies, the C D C the FDA, who are knowingly I I've gotta edit my language here, who are knowingly pulling this horse crap on us, I I, I think they one and all have to be punished and the entire before we send them to God. Yeah, and the entire media apparatus. Talk, oh, yeah, you know, the, and the, the, the cumulus radio network. I mean, all of it. Uh, they're roping people in with with one false commercial after another. It's it's certainly next level manipulation and, and psychological operation, no doubt about it. And we just heard that Canada said their military is deliberately doing these propaganda campaigns in order to scare people to going in the direction they want the people to go, like you would a herd of sheep. Yep. They're doing this deliberately. Yep. And another thing along the lines of the pilots, I also read this other thing just the other day about how these these pilots that don't want the jabs or pilots that are striking or... or um, even the pilots who have been jabbed are still flying. Both categories of individuals are, are making errors in the cockpit. Right. So, so you have the individuals who have been jabbed who are making errors, mental errors behind the cockpit and you know, behind the wheel, and then you have those that have not had the flight time uh, are making errors behind the wheel because again, they don't want to be jabbed and they're not they're not playing the game. So yeah. You, yeah. you talk about the you know the continued decline of qualification and not keeping people sharp uh, in a position where they had better be sharp. That's um, that's well, dangerous stuff. I you know in my in my family, my my dad was a pilot. Now he didn't he didn't fly commercial, but he flew a lot of flew a lot during World War Two and and later and. Um, I'm trying to imagine, I mean, imagine, so you're pretty young, probably in 1970 when the plane went down carrying the Marshall football team. I wasn't born, but um, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, around here, it's, it's, it's pretty well known. And, and that was, that was pilot error. Um, the pilot 
literally ran into the side of the mountain in a rainstorm. But imagine a 757 fully loaded, and I don't even know if I know how many people can fit in a 757, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's around 350 people. Imagine a pilot is, who has been forced to have the jab and forced to fly and has a, an aneurysm midair. If, if the um, co-pilot can't take over, and yeah, I know all about um, autopilot, but that only works, you know, for a little bit. If you don't have somebody to take it off, the plane is coming down one way or another. Um, so it, there, there's, there's more danger around us than ever before. Um, I've, I've listened to Cliff High talk about accidents, you yeah. know, people in cars doing stupid things. And so, you know, I've, I've noticed people that this is, I, maybe I'm getting a little paranoid too. I'm a much more cautious driver because I'm looking around at, at people and, and their driving habits. And I've been noticing on the, on the morning news that there are an awful lot of really strange car accidents. That wouldn't have, not weather related at all, just stupid mistakes that people are making while they're driving their cars that are getting them killed. And I have to start wondering, man, maybe what I should do is call my car insurance company and say, hey, what's, what's, the, um, what's the average accident rate going these days, you know, compared to, say, six months or a year ago? Maybe I should do that. See, See if somebody will fess up. No, no doubt about it. And and according to the uh, the One America Insurance guy, it's across the board. It's across all avenues of insurance across all companies. Right. Well, it has to be right because if you medical insurance is often tied to uh, life insurance, um, death insurance. Yep. Um. So so. You know, I'm I'm waiting for that notice from my own car insurance company that says, "Oh, by the way, there've been a lot more accidents in your area, so we're raising your premiums." Um, at what point is the insurance, the car insurance company, going to want to know if you've been jabbed or not? So, I mean, this is this has far-reaching um, knock-on effects. For, for, for years into the future. For those of us who are unjabbed, purebloods, if I can say so proudly. Indeed. That, um, you know, we're just, we're just watching the collapse all around us, and it's, it's like a train wreck. You can't look away, and it's in such slow motion that you can almost pick out the areas that are coming that are going to be damaged next. I think at some point there is good that's going to be coming out of this. Um, I think that I think that the general population, at least in America, and I can't talk about other countries, but I think the general population is beginning to rouse themselves from their long sheep-like slumber, and they're they're kind of looking around, going, "What the heck is going on here?" So people are waking up. They're 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 noticing what's going on. I mean, it's it's. If you're looking at things that are happening over in Europe, look at what Austria did. Now, they had a jab mandate for, I think it was February 
15th for everyone in their country to be jabbed. They were mandating the jab. I just read today that they've rolled it back to April 1st. Now, is that coincidental that it's April Fool's Day? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But they rolled it back because what's going on over in Europe is in cities all over the European Union, there are uh, people rising up. Um, and we've been hearing about this stuff that's happening over in Kazakhstan. Do you really think that the people are rising up because the price of um, liquid gas has gone up? People only rise up like that and burn their parliament house when they're, it's, that's not the price of gas that's driving that. Um, I, I also read that um, some of the, some of the um, restless natives in Australia are burning the old parliament house. Where did I read what that was said in the Northern Territories? And they basically turned around and said, we'll come and get the new parliament house if you don't change what you're doing. Um, and have you noticed that Masonic lodges all over the world are being burned to the ground? The latest one was just uh, yesterday in Zanesville, Ohio. Beautiful. Masonic, Masonic lodges are being burned to the ground. Beautiful. You tell me that's not, that's, <laughs> so we're, we're burning those bastards out one way or the other. Hey, whoever's doing. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not promoting arson. I just just want to be clear. I'm just making an observation that Masonic temples are being burned. I'll tell you what. You got a creepy one right there in um, <laughs> in Huntington. I'll tell you what. I drove past it when when we had lunch that one day. I drove past and I went, "Whoa!" All the <laughs> yeah. All the windows right. were 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 drawn closed, and uh, you couldn't miss the compass and square on that building. Oh no! Yeah. Well. I think we're going to be learning a lot of new, uh, not new history, but I think we're going to be learning a lot of things that we never knew, that we've never been told about the Masons, the Scottish Rites, and and some of the, um, how can I put this? In my opinion, less ethical things that these groups have done over the centuries. Your lips to God's ears. Is that ears. a good way to put that? <laughs> yeah, I, I sure hope so. I hope so. But so, so to answer your question, yes, I think these people are going to be brought to justice, whether they're brought to justice on this physical earth or whether they're going to face it when they pass on to the next one. Um, you know, I, I, I know that my constant prayer for probably a decade was, you know, I want some justice. Well, the universe does that all on its own. I don't have to pray for that. I know it's coming for these people. Um, I hope that, I, I, I think that God gives us lots of chances to correct our path. Um, I, I, one of the things that I noticed about Trump and President Trump and the thing that I, I kind of always liked is he always seemed to give people a chance to do the right thing. You know. Here's two paths. One is right. One is wrong. I encourage you to take the right one, but which, whichever one you pick is your free choice. Oh, you pick the right one. That's great. Here's all the benefits to picking the right one. Oh, you pick the wrong one? Well, unfortunately, there's consequences to bad decisions. And, and that's just the basic fundamental law of the universe. It is one of the first laws of economics that there are consequences to your actions. 
you cannot make a choice without some kind of um, some kind of repercussion. So, you know, the people that make the right choices have good repercussions. They have good consequences. I mean, even the even the Ten Commandments was God's way of saying you can do things the right way. And if you follow these ten guideline rules, or maybe how about the eleventh one, the golden rule, do unto others, um, you know, you'll have good consequences in your life. But if you don't follow them, you're going to have bad consequences. You, you can't escape the consequences of your choice. Even not a choice is a choice. So I think that, I think, I think that all around us, I think that God rules. He really does. And we're all given the chance to make right. We're, we're, given, we're given multiple chances. Because sometimes you're walking down a path and you go, you know, I knew this was the wrong path. I'm just going to turn around and go back. I'm going to go back to that fork in the road and I'm going to take the right path. But see, that requires admitting that you were wrong in the first place. Right? You have to you have to you have to humble yourself and say, Boy, I, I really made a stupid choice back there. I'm just gonna backtrack, eat some humble pie, say, Yup, the people who told me take this other path were the right you know, they were right, I was wrong, I'm gonna go back. And I think that I think that God rewards that kind of um self reflection and self humbling. But I also think that, that God says, oh, you're down, you're, you've gotten all the way to the end of this wrong path. Well, there's consequences. Yeah. Tried to tell you. You didn't want to listen. And yeah. we're allowed to make these three choices because he has given us the, the choice all through human history. You know, even even his laws are... Even his laws are written down so that you can choose to do the wrong thing. I, I'll tell you what I've, I've I have a um, I have an audio clip here that I think exemplifies everything that you just said right there, and uh, I wanted to play it for you. It's about two minutes long. This comes from January fourth. The new Hanover County Board of Education, which is I believe out of Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, a nurse walks up to the lectern. And uh, she lays it on the school board, who are all masked. There's about seven school board members who are all masked, and then I assume the superintendent is sitting there also. But uh, give this a listen, and then I want to get your take on the other end. Okay. I'm Morgan Wallace. I'm a 10-year employee of New Hanover County. I worked in the cardiovascular ICU for five years. I was your last line of defense with COVID. We ran your heart and lungs outside your body with your chest open while you were bleeding on the floor. And what I realized was that patients were needlessly dying because of government's withheld policies for treating COVID. Everyone who died with COVID should be considered murdered. Early treatment has always been affected. I walked out of the hospital on the mandate day. I have my own practice and I am the only person in town treating COVID patients prior to hospitalization. I also watched the entire staff at the hospital, including in my unit, get vaccinated and then get COVID amongst all kinds of other ailments. You have now loaded your body with millions of spike proteins and you are a ticking time bomb for cancer, blood clots, and whatever kind of ailment may come up in your body. 
And I'm tired of hearing people go and ask doctors, can they be treated for COVID? And their only option is a vaccine or go home or go into the hospital. We are not going to make it out. I'll be happy to treat any one of you for COVID prior going to the hospital because early treatment has always worked. I'm a member of the FLCCC Alliance, NC Physicians for Freedom, and the Medical Freedom Summit. And I would, I would ask y'all to please stop choosing fear and putting masks on our kids. The vaccine is not going to work. Early treatment has always worked. And government mismanagement of patients is why people have died. And families have realized this, and they are rising up, and they are going to come after governments and the hospital. I was highly decorated and highly respected at New Hanover. I was the November 2020 employee of excellence, and I had a job opportunity this year from the chief medical director at this hospital, and I chose to walk out and stand up for what is right. So putting these masks on our kids is not going to help, nor is vaccination, and we all need to realize that. It is out. The cat is out of the bag, and people are speaking globally, including the inventor of the vaccine. And then they just sit there and, uh, you know, with their masks on and let her walk away, and that's it. Well, I think that we have some very brave men and women, and I think that there are more people every day who are, who are being awakened from this brainwashing propaganda crap that we've been lulled to sleep on for decades through the media through the entertainment industry, from our own politicians. And I think that I think that brave individuals like her, I think when this is all over, we need to have a memorial for people like her who spoke up, who tried to wake the sleeping masses around them, who tried to save as many lives as they possibly could it, it doesn't take any courage to remain in the herd. What takes courage and, and a stiff spine is knowing that what you're going to do and what you're going to say will, not possibly, but will turn the entire herd against you. It's like that scene in The Matrix when Morpheus tells neo all of these people are connected to the matrix and they're right now you're you're of no interest to them because they don't recognize you as an enemy but as soon as they do they're coming after you so these people like this wonderful nurse but people like ryan reiner fulmack and you and wolfgang vodard and mike eden former vp of pfizer people who are speaking out early and often and loudly and, and being uh, defamed, denigrated, those are the real heroes. We need, to, we need to strap on the full armor of God. We need to remember Ephesians 6. Strap on the full armor of God, which is just truth. Just tell the truth. And just know in your heart, just know in your heart that God's got your back. You just hold your ground. And where you can, push the line forward. So hold the line, and where you can, advance. Yeah, no one ever said war was easy. No, it's not easy. And this war would be so much easier to fight if there were bombs and bullets going off all around us. We would know who the enemy is. 
But right now, there are a lot of people still stuck in the matrix. They're still connected. They're still asleep. They don't really want to listen. But that's okay. We're, we're, we are winning. And, and we're winning because, Sean, you and I are still talking on your podcast, which is still going out. The evil SOBs that are doing this to the world are losing the war. And they know it. And that's why they're all panicked. There's panic in D.C. Look at look at all that crap the Democrats tried to heap on the patriots of the United States yesterday. No, we're not taking it. We don't believe you. We know you're lying. Your lips are moving. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, there's an excellent meme out there of uh, Wiley Coyote off the cliff and the anvil mm-hmm. and the anvil is above him. And it, the anvil's yep. the anvil's the truth, and Wiley Coyote's the COVID narrative, and it's not going so well. No, we we are winning, um, but and this has been a tough war because it's a psychological war. Um, those of us who are like you, who are dealing with this day in and day out, um, I I I occasionally will unplug. I will not go out. It's not very often, but I won't go out onto the internet to look at anything. I'll just occupy myself with some project I have inside the house. Or I'll call a I'll call a cease a cease and desist on looking at any mainstream media. Now I know that there are a lot of people who say, Stop watching that. Yeah, well well, okay. But you gotta know what your enemy's saying. You gotta know what your enemy is doing, which requires that you actually listen. But there are times that I call, nope, we're done, turning the TV off, turning off the internet. I'm just going to refresh myself with a little outdoor barbecuing or, you know, putter around in my garden or pick up one of my crochet projects. You know, just something, reading the Bible, just something to renew my own spirit and my own energy to know, yes, I know, God's got all this. We're just, we're just little pawns in the whole game. But our, each of our parts is important. It's really important that we speak the truth all the time because we don't know. Something that we say is going to go into the ears of some student in my classroom that's going to turn around and say those words to parents or friends and, you know, three or four people out, five or six degrees of separation, it, someone's going to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. our job... Even though, even though I'm just a small peon in this whole war, my job is to keep speaking the truth, knowing that God's got my back, knowing that no harm is going to come to me. No harm is going to come to me because we are all, each of us, God's children. And as long as we lean on him, we're all good forever. I wanted to, I wanted to mention this too, just as a little side note, kind of a funny side note. But um, I know that we've we've mentioned Fox News on a on a consistent basis and, and criticized some of the things that they'll do and say there, because um, uh-huh. of course they're going along with all this as well. But I heard a clip the other day on the on the radio, and it was Dana Perino advocating for the jabs and saying. I kid you not, she actually said this. I wish I had the audio to play it, but she said that she has been double jabbed, boosted, and got the flu shot, and she feels great. 
I saw that. That was just last night. I saw that, and I and I thought, oh my goodness, do I you, guess we're going to lose another one. <laughs> well, do you actually believe that? I mean, I don't believe it. Well, I don't know. I keep, you know, it's funny. Um, I I saw Trump's a uh, piece of Trump's interview with uh, who is that? Bill O'Reilly, where Trump said, "Oh yeah, I got, I got." I got the vaccine and I got boosted and I and I thought, yeah, but which one did you get? We know that way back in March 2020, Trump came out and said, look, we know hydroxychloroquine works. We know ivermectin works. And the media slammed him down and shut him up. So I'm thinking maybe the jab that he got was HCQ or ivermectin. Because we know that ivermectin and HCQ, as far back as 2005, was recognized by the NIH as a cure, as a vaccine for SARS-CoV-1. I've got, I've got the paper. I've downloaded it from the NIH's website. And it was, it was co-authored by none other than Dr. Fauci. So he knows the HCQ and ivermectin are vaccines. They're vaccine, even though they are therapeutic, they are classified as vaccines. Now, when did, do you know, do you happen to know off the top of your head when um, hydroxychloroquine was um, approved as a vaccine by the FDA? I think it was 2007, was it not? 1955. Good God. Oh, that's right. It was over and 60 I, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And ivermectin, if I go back and look, I'm pretty sure the ivermectin was classified as a vaccine as far back as the late 1960s. Wow. So we've had these two drugs as long as I've been on this earth. And it turns out, and I'm looking at this article that I downloaded, it's from May 2019. Um, it was, let's see received in 2019 it was finally accepted for publication in march 2020 here's the title ivermectin suppresses tumor growth and metastasis through degradation of pac-1 in esophageal squamous cell carcinoma translation ivermectin suppresses cancer 20 march 2020 so they've known i mean for all we know, these pharmaceutical companies have known for decades what cures cancer, but that's not going to make them any money. Ivermectin is pennies on the dollar per pill. And you can, you, you can make quinine, which is the grandfather of uh, hydroxychloroquine. We've had quinine for 200 years. Yep. You can make it at home. The, the pharmaceutical companies, all this, you just have to follow the money. It all comes down to power and control and money. That's why these pharma companies are doing this, in my opinion. Oh. The liquid version of the hydroxy uh, got rid of my cough, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, it about works. once every six months, we make we make some fresh quinine, and you know, for about a month, we'll take a tablespoon every day. And it's, it's, I think what it is, is just a high-powered vitamin C. You know what? I had a listener to the podcast email me, bless her heart, and she said, um, I'm hearing you talk about your cough and, and the different treatments that you use. She said, give the, the liquid hydroxy another go. 
And I said, how, uh, you know, what's the dosage that you were using? Because I was using, again, a teaspoon or a tablespoon a day. She goes, no. She goes, you got to take like four to five gulps a day. Yeah. Full gulps yeah. and do it for, do it for yeah. a week and then see how you are. And sure enough, I mean, I did it four or five gulps a day for a full week and it was gone. Yep. Amazing. Yep. And now, how how mad, I was going to use, how pissed off are people going to be when they find out that the pharmaceutical companies have known for decades how to cure cancer? My dad died of cancer. That's not going to make me too happy, knowing that they knew how to cure it. And, um, and I think the nurse uh, that you had, that you played the recording of, um, what's going to happen when people's children are dying because they're getting these jabs and it's been promoted by school administrators or school teachers or hospitals, doctors, nurses, and so forth? So, these, yes, the answer to your question is yes, these people will face justice. I just, uh, I'm hoping that it's a, um, a reasoned, not, 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 um, boy. I think it has yeah, yeah, right. I think it has to be public. I, I don't think yeah, that, it's got to be public. Absolutely, hiding hiding this at this stage of the game with the loss of life, um, doing it behind closed doors or making it secretive. Well, all of a sudden, Anthony Fauci just got sick, and you know he uh, his heart quit because he cared too much. I mean, if that ends right. up being the story, you're going to have there's going to be hell to pay. No, these people have to be held account publicly. There've got to be public trials, and I hate to sound bloodthirsty, but some of these people, it, they have to be publicly executed. I'm, I'm not generally yeah. that bloodthirsty, but but in order so that we can never do this again, and that was why we had the Nuremberg trials, right? To force into the open the atrocities that happened in the German concentration camps and the Japanese concentration camps um, to force into the public eye these atrocities so that we would never again, as humanity, either allow it to happen or be blind to when it was happening. That was why we had the Nuremberg Code that came out in 1947. You know, so yep. the first section of the Nuremberg Code says the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. Voluntary consent. Consent means that you are informed. You've been told. And I, I, I watched a um, I watched a, a Twitter video of a woman who went into a CVS pharmacy and asked the pharmacist, "Can you show me, please, the um, all of the effects?" the after effects of getting this, this particular jab, and I don't remember which one she was asking about. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So he goes to the box, he takes out this long paper that generally has all these half-font, half-point font wording on, you know, all the different effects that this drug causes, and he opens it up and is completely blank. And this man has a panic attack. Oh, well, well, but then he starts to crumple it up and he, he says, well, well, I, it's online. She goes, no, 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 it's okay. I, I know that this was going to be blank because um, nobody wants you to know what's in these jabs or what they cause. 
I mean, this, this man had a moral dilemma in plain sight. He says, well, uh, I, I can't actually give these vaccines out if I, if I, if I don't know what the effects are going to be. And I thought, mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah. This man had a moral compass breakdown right, right, <laughs> right on the video. And he even started to back up. He started to yeah, sort of walk yeah. backwards and try to hide himself a little bit from the truth because she was bombarding him with just yep. one truth bomb after another. And, and I mean, thank God he finally, didn't he finally fess up and say, yeah, I don't think I should be giving this at all. Yes, that's what happened. So, you know, that's that's the kind of second chances, third chances, tenth chances that God gives us. That that man won't be able to be a pharmacist much longer, or or at least you know he won't be able to, in good conscience, recommend the jab to anybody because now he knows he's doing the wrong thing, and at least that man has a conscience to irritate. So you're right, yeah. though. There's there's, so I, there's more evidence every day, which is a good thing. Yes, yes. So the truth is coming out. Eventually, we will be beyond this. Right now, it's it's. It's tough on the people who, like us, who are looking around and we're sometimes feeling just a little hopeless or helpless, but just keep looking. You will find those droplets of truth. Um, for, for anybody who does watch Fox, watch them in the morning from, from 6 o'clock to just about 8.30. I've noticed for the last couple of weeks they are dropping truth bombs. And now it's something else that, that maybe a couple of extra eyes can look at. I've also noticed that in the last two days, Ainsley Earhart doesn't really look like herself. She looks computer generated. So I'm so maybe <laughs> your audience can take No, I'm serious. She yeah, looks computer generated and so does Steve Ducey and I'm and I'm I, and I have a good TV. You know, it's 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 one of these high quality you know, teeny tiny little pixels. And I'm looking at this going, I don't know if this is a deep fake or CGI, but that sure doesn't look like her. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to this. She she certainly looks like, much like the pharmacist, she looks like she's coming to grips with, with what she has previously said in the past and what she's, you know, the current, uh, the current state of affairs. I remember you brought up once right. that they put her, um, they they put her in a segment where she was interviewing was it firefighters that were saying that they weren't going to take the jabs and they were willing to lose everything so that they couldn't take the jabs? You said the look on her face was priceless. Oh, and then she interviewed two moms. Both of them had that was advanced it. It was degrees. the moms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was two moms, and they said, "I'm not giving this is an experiment. I'm not giving it to my kid." And poor Ainsley just looked lost. Yes. Yep. So, so for your listeners, and you know, it'd be. I, I maybe I'm just nuts. It could be I'm just crazy. I'm seeing things, but two out of the three of those people on the Fox and Friends in the morning don't look real to me. Now I know I know that we had an interview back in the fall when I said, "Man, they don't even look like they're on the set." Literally within days after your podcast come out, the three of them, Ainsley, Steve, and um, Brian Kilmeade, were saying, "Look, see, we're on the set." Yeah, we're here. I, yeah, I know, but you weren't last week. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so you know, maybe some of your listeners can, it, it's okay if, if they say, 
McCutcheon, you are off your rocker on this one. Hey, but, I'm going to tune don't in. Don't look real to me. I'm going to tune in. Why not? And I'm, this morning, they were hurling the truth bombs left and right. So, so I know that Fox has has been named. Um, what is that? Controlled opposition. Yeah. Um, but if, uh, but if you are looking at the demise of your career, would you not say some truth bombs? Um, I also read that uh, Joyless Reed on MSNBC is about to get canned, so I'm kind of waiting to see if that happens. So, so, and we know that CNN was uh, purchased by somebody new. I want to say his name is Jeff Warner, but I, but I might be wrong about that name. Um, but I know that the new owner of CNBC is saying, I think we're just going to go back to telling the news. And I'm wondering, when is that going to happen? I think they have to burn as many bridges as they possibly can first. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They need to, they need to do some serious soul searching and they need to, they need to boot out all the people who are part of the propaganda network and they need to get back to just telling the truth. So I think we're seeing some good things, Sean. I'm, I'm still hopeful. I have not packed my bags and run for the hills. I'm still here. Um, I've, um, for the people in your audience who are, who are at university teaching or who are going to be students at university, I have an arsenal of, um, NIH, CDC, FDA, scientific research that's come out over the last 18 to 24 months about what's going on with COVID and the jabs and masks and, um, and district court and appellate court and federal court um, uh, conclusions about these mandates, and you know, I'm I'm loaded for bear. I'm I am loaded to start raining down some truth bombs of my own when we start back to school. Can they find that on your website? Um. No, but if they contact me through Marshall, I'm easily found at Marshall. If they contact me there, I'm I'm happy to forward PDFs. Excellent. You know, um, documents. Very so, good. Yeah, but I've I've got all of this. I actually have it posted for my own students to browse through at their leisure, and um, and but most of the time, you know, I just talk about economics and what's going on in the economy. And speaking of which. Um, just as a side note, I was checking out the stock market today and I noticed that the U.S. 10-year treasury note is, um, hovering right around 1.77%, which tells me because when the interest rates go up, what it means is the price of the bond is going down. And so that tells me that the, um, the supply of bonds is being flooded into the market and they have to raise the interest rate in order to entice people to buy them. So the higher the interest rate goes, it means that that risk of the government defaulting on the bond goes up. So, so for your audience, watch the interest rates on the bonds because as the rates go up, that's a higher and higher risk of the government defaulting. And we know that in February 2020, um, at the end of the month, President Trump put the Federal Reserve 
under the umbrella of the U.S. Treasury. So I think what we're looking at is, I look, I think, this is my opinion, I think we're looking at the end of the Federal Reserve Bank as our central bank. I think we're, we're going to um, go back to following the Constitution. We're, we're in the um, early articles, I think it's Article 1, Section 8, where it says the government has the power to mint and coin money. I think we're going to go back to a sound money system that is backed by assets like gold and silver. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to Bitcoin. Um, it's losing money left and right. But I think that we're headed to better days when our, when our U.S. dollar, not the Federal Reserve note, but our U.S. dollar is backed by gold and silver. You are going to see, um, you are going to see an age where the dollar retains its value and, and the inflation rate is low or zero. And so I think we're looking at the I think we're looking at the end of the Federal Reserve system. I think we're looking if you look around the world, um, Ecuador has already gone to a Bitcoin based currency. And I think that we're um, we're seeing around the world governments being cast out that are that are shady governments are being cast out and people are rejecting the central bank. Um, type of money supply system in order in favor of an asset-backed currency. And so I think we're looking at the end of the deep state that controls money in countries because I think around the world these central banks are going to be kicked out. No one's going to want to deal with them. No, no one. So there are good days coming. I don't know when they'll be here. Um, For the people in your audience who want to be prepared, my suggestion is this, this is not financial advice, this is just a suggestion is to be prepared. You know, if you can if you can buy a little bit of silver, buy a little bit of silver. The, the coins, gold if you can. Um, you know, my great-grandmother and my grandmothers and all the women in my family back generations prepared every summer for what all, what everyone knew would be winter. You, so, you know, we had big gardens, we canned foods, we kept, we would be called preppers these days. So prepare. And then that way, even if nothing happens, that gold and that silver is still going to be valuable to pass down to your children and grandchildren. Does that make sense? It does. When my, um, when my grandmother passed away, there was some money from their family, my, my grandfather and my grandmother, and uh, it made its way to their siblings and then made its way down to us. And uh, I was gifted about $5,000 and I put all of it into gold and silver. Perfect. And I, exactly. I, and I still have it in a safe in my house today. And that was years ago. And it's worth the yep. exact same amount. So I didn't spend it on, yep. didn't spend it on nonsense. I still have it. Yep, and it will still be worth something, which is why if you buried a Federal Reserve note in the ground in 5,000 years, in 500 years, it won't even be there. It will have degraded and decomposed. But if you bury a silver coin or a gold coin in the ground 5,000, 50,000 years from now, that silver or gold coin will still be there. It will still hold its value. Because humans for 10,000 years have been sifting through various kinds of things that we call money and use for exchange. And gold and silver are 
the key. So prepare, hopefully. Um, hopefully, my worst fears will not be re will not be realized, and we will just pass easily, quickly, smoothly into a new uh, a new world, a new economics. And um, and I think that I I see good things coming. I think that we just have to hold on to the roller coaster ride and see this through. And at some point, the people who are doing um, bad things, the deep state, the black hats, at some point, they're going to be outed. People will know who they are. They will stop following them. And the black hats will have no power. All their plans are already coming apart. All their plans are ruined. They can't get anything done. I mean, even look at what our our legislators in Washington, D.C., the only thing they were able to get done is to pass in 2021 to pass a bill that funded the military and then to refund the military for this year. They haven't been able to pass any other bills. And I think that that's because they know the Federal Reserve Bank is no longer there for them to tap. They can't pass any bills that spend money because there's no way, there's no bank to fund their deals. So I think it's good. I'm seeing evidence. If I look, I'm seeing evidence that things are really turning around. It's just going to it's just going to take a little bit of time. And so patience is not my strong point. I'm generally tend to be a pretty impatient person, uh, which is why I unplug from time to time from the internet and from what's going on around around me outside in the world and I just focus on things that I would like to do to rejuvenate my spirit and re-energize. There you go. The, the, my mom used to call it recharging my battery. So, yep, everybody needs to do that, even you. I know you're a warrior of light, and you keep going and going and going, but put in your calendar some time for you. It's a good suggestion. Thank you. I'll, you're I'll, welcome. I'll do that when I'm not being bloodthirsty, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, and thanks so much for sharing your audience with me again. I so appreciate all the time you've let me. Oh, my goodness. We've been talking for an hour and a half. I so appreciate all the time you've allowed me to go on. And and it's cathartic for me to, to let some of this out so that I can, you know, chew it away from my being and I can, and I can let in more positive energy and maybe warn a few people in the process. I'll tell you what, that's an excellent point. I, you know, I, I get I get great emails from listeners and they they love have they, they love when you're on and they love listening to when you're on. And, um, you know, even their emails to me are are uh, are refreshing because they they will say the exact same thing that you just said, too. They'll say, you know, I listen to the podcast um, and you you remind me that I'm not I'm not crazy. And I, you know, that's, that's, that's hands down one of the best compliments as well. So yeah, it's, I, I mean, there's no doubt we're all helping each other, which is, you know, it's a good thing. That's right. That's, that's what we're here for. We're here to support each other and love each other and say prayers for each other. And I know in my heart, I know in my heart that God's got this. He's just using all of us to make sure that it comes out the way he wants it to. So, and it will, it will. 
Watch and see. Watch and see. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.